Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. It's a little bit after after lunch, I guess, uh, for most of you. Hope that you're doing well today. There is a lot going on in the world. Some good, some bad, but isn't that always the case? But it's one of those things now where we hang on to good news probably more so than ever. One of the things that uh, that I wanted to share with you guys, you know, in the, in the opening moments of our show here, is that uh, there are a lot of people out there that profit and, and peddled fear. And so let me just encourage you again to kind of stick with the experts out there. That it's, you know, listen to the people that are actually in science and in and uh, disease control and that sort of stuff. You know, there, it's amazing and, and it's incredible to me. And I see this stuff on social media all the time. It's like the same people that consider them experts about college football recruiting and uh, and about politics or about anything else. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter the topic. There are some people that simply know it all. I'm going to encourage you to to avoid those people. Don't listen to those people because they're just going to lead you astray. They're going to lead you. Uh, down the path of of worry and regret and all that sort of stuff. And there's enough of that going on anyway. So again, listen to the experts. And I don't just mean the talking head news people. I mean the people that work at the CDC. Those are the people, they know what they're doing. So rather than read and watch interpretations of what they're saying, pay attention to what they're saying. Because there are a lot of people out there, that, that there are a lot of people in the media, you know, their goal is to kind of shift your focus and to attract your eyes. And so what they do is they write these provocative articles and things like that just to get clicks. They don't really care if it informs you. They just want you to be engaged. They want to have your click. They want to have you as a uh, as a reader. 
And so they write things that are provocative, true or untrue, just to redirect your attention. That's how, that's how media works these days. And it's like I've read recently that people say, you know what, that the trust in the media, this trust in the media has never been higher. I believe that's probably true. And so I just suggest that you don't, don't listen to them. Focus on what the experts are saying. There is a briefing every single day where uh, you get stuff from the World Health Organization and from the CDC, even if you have difficulty understanding that. That's one of those things that I have learned by watching all this. If you do what the experts say, you're going to be okay. Chances are you're going to be in good shape. If you just do what the experts say, wash your hands, avoid contact with other people, don't shake hands, do social distancing, do what the experts say. Don't just listen to me. Listen to what they say, because I'm just telling you, those are the folks that know what's going on. Uh, it's incredible. And, and somebody sent me a video clip, and if I knew uh, how to get it on the show, I, I would play it. But it was after one of those CDC briefings when, uh, you know, Fauci, I guess is his name, is up there, you know, talk, and it's like three different news organizations had three different reports about the same stuff that he said, the same quotes. Because what happens in life, and I've learned this not just in times of crisis, but in, in life in general, is people only absorb the information that fits their narrative. And so if there's information out there that says, hey, you know, we're going to have, you know, hundreds of millions of people die. Well, that's what, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, a, a rational person would look at that and say, is it really going to be that bad? But there are other people out there that are already writing up their will and preparing for Harry Carey. And they're just going to jump right on that. Then there are other people on the other side of the spectrum, but they're going to get all wound up and say, you know, oh, there's nothing to this. Just go ahead and live your life. And that's, that's irresponsible, too. That's what the experts tell us. We've got to take precautions. And so I, I have always been more of a moderate anyway when it comes to, to things in life. I'm not very moderate when it comes to the Mississippi State Ole Miss rivalry. I'm very much a partisan in all of that. But when it comes to these kind of things, I just, you know, I think it's it's best to avoid the polar extremes. And then you can, you all see it on your own Facebook. Y'all, I mean, you know what I'm saying? You see it everywhere you go. There's always that group that's uh, doom and gloom. And there's always that group that says, ah, it's no big deal. Now, it's just a big deal. You know, it, it's a big deal. People are dying. It's a big deal. But listen, listen to the experts. Listen to the experts. I am not an expert when it comes to. Uh, disease control and things of that nature. But I know enough to listen. I'm smart enough to listen to the people that are. I'm not going to listen to these Facebook experts that write about everything. And along those same lines, you know, the same people that worried and worried and worried and worried and worried that you're going to lose an egg ball. And the same people that worried and worried and worried and worried and worried that Lane Kiffin was going to rate our recruiting class in December. They're the same people that are worrying and worrying and worrying and worrying and worried about this. You know, there are some people out there that are chronic complainers. They're chronic warriors. I'm going to, again, encourage you to try to avoid those people as best you can. Don't let them lead you astray. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. And there have been some changes at Bulldog Burger Company because there have been some new ordinances and that sort of stuff put in place. Okay? So you can no longer dine on the premises. You can still go in and pick up your food. But there is no in-house dining at Bulldog Burger Company. That's a relatively recent development. So here's how you can do it. You, you call ahead. You can call ahead and you make your order. They'll bring it out to you or you can go in and get it. Either way, they're taking extreme precautions in there to protect themselves and to protect you. But if you want to, to enjoy the delicious Bulldog Burger Company delicacies, you still can. You can still get the Pimentology ad bacon. You can get it. You just can't eat it there. And so they have, uh, I've spoken with them today, L absolutely love Bulldog Burger, the whole group run by great people. I have partnered with them for many years, hope to do it for many years moving forward. And we're going to stick together through this difficult time with them. I want to, I'm, listen, I'm going to encourage you guys, solicit these folks, these are fine people. We're all going to get through this thing together, but let's not abandon the people that, that we enjoy. Lazy Guys is going to handle delivery here in Starkville. Tupelo to go is going to handle Bulldog Burger Company delivery in Tupelo. So you can go through those folks. They will take care of that and bring it right to you. If you don't want to get out, that's fine. You can have the great Bulldog Burger restaurant quality hamburgers delivered to your home, provided you live in the delivery area. Or you can get a call out order. Or you know what you can, and I've suggested this to many people, and not just Bulldog Burger Company, but I, but 
get gift certificates to your favorite restaurants. You can do that by going to the uh, website for Bulldog Burger Company, which is the eatwithus.com. You can make an online order there. You can order gift cards there. And again, that's www.eatwithus.com. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Stargill and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the coronavirus, but I want to be up front with you guys about a couple things. So, uh, I'm not going to get, you know, <clears throat> he's put some things out there. So, but I'm still going to be real careful about this because it doesn't really matter. But uh, there was an SEC publisher within the 247 sports family that was in attendance a couple weeks ago when we had our SEC meetings that has now been diagnosed with the coronavirus. He has tested positive for the coronavirus. And uh, he had, we didn't know it then, but he had some symptoms. Tomorrow is day 14 since we have seen him, but he has been hospitalized. He has been in the ICU, and I understand he's out of ICU and, and improving. And we, we fully expect him to make it. And, and I tell you, I, I, I went to bed, prayed for him last night, got up and prayed for him this morning. It's one of those things when you, we get him, we get wrapped up sometimes in the day-to-day hubris of, of college football and all that kind of stuff, and it's easy to draw lines. But this is a situation here where one of our colleagues, somebody that we respect, somebody that works the same job we do, doing many of the same activities that we do in life, and, uh, you know, has had to battle through some very difficult circumstances since then. And so, so for all intents and purposes, I have been exposed to the coronavirus, but I'm 14 days later, I think tomorrow is four, day 14, I, I feel fine, I'm not feverish, I don't have any cold-like symptoms, uh, you know, we're all dealing with this pollen stuff every now and again, but you understand my point. Uh, I, I don't feel bad at all, and this is a person that sat, sat next to me at a business conference for an entire day, uh, broke bread with him uh, the day before, and so this has really hit home, it's come close to us, and uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to explain away you know, transmission and, and uh, pathology and all that sort of stuff and contagion, but it's no longer something that I see on cable news. You know, this is someone that I know. This is someone that has been in the same room with me recently. And so when you when those kind of things happen, you begin to take a little bit of an inventory, you know, of your life and some of your habits. And the one thing that I will say is that uh, in the in the 14 days since I have been back from Nashville, I guess it's 13, 14 days tomorrow, uh, I've been to town, I guess, a handful of times. I went to go pick up my car. I got my car out of the shop. I took my kid to the dentist, and I have run to town a couple times uh, to eat dinner. Not in a restaurant. But that's it. And I've been fine. And so I just shared that with you because of the fact I think it's important that we're transparent about these things. Uh, And then there are people that are connected to us. It's not just graphs on a cable news network show. It is now hit home in Mississippi where I know somebody that is a positive diagnosis for the coronavirus. It's a little different deal. You know, it's, it's, it's much like it's, it's, I've said before, it's just like the whole thing about addiction. You know, it's so easy to label the world as, you know, crackheads or whatever, meth addicts, and that sort of stuff, until it's somebody you know. You know, it's easy to just brush it all aside and say, ah, oh, you know, they all deserve what they get until it's somebody that you know and love. And so it's just like this whole coronavirus thing. It, it, it's real easy when you say, oh, you know, it's just a bunch of old people. You know, right? It's just a bunch of people I don't even know. It's nobody in my family. It's nobody in my circle. We've only got a handful of cases in my state until it becomes somebody you know. And so we're going to make it. And uh, we believe our friend is going to make it. You know, he, uh, he had a very positive message on uh, social media yesterday. And, uh, and the fact that he was posting himself and posting a picture of himself uh, and and a, and a strong resolve that he's going to beat it gives me hope. It gives me a sense of encouragement. I begin to think, but you know, this is a guy who is uh, dealing with something that we don't know a whole lot about. However, he is on the mend, and uh, you know that he believes that he was symptomatic, and we were all together. And so, when you hear that, like yesterday, when the news began to make the rounds. I began to think, you know, holy smokes, I was with this guy. 
you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. He sat right next to us at the conference. So this guy was sharing the same oxygen as me for an entire day. And then you begin to ask yourself, well, did I shake his hand? I know I didn't hug his neck. I know I didn't shake anybody's hand when I was up there. I gave a little fist bump every now and again. But listen, I mean, how protected are we from that? There are a lot of things they don't know about transmission. We think we have an idea about it, but it's one of those things, you know, there, there are lot, some people have no clue when they got it or how they got it or where they got it, you know. Um, and so, again, I'll stress, he is on the mend. He is doing better. None of us in the room, at least with our group, uh, you know, Paul Jones, Robbie Falk, and Mike Nemeth and Gene Swindoll, they were all with us at that conference. None of them sat, sat quite as close to this guy as I did. But nobody's got to get any issues. Everybody's fine. Nobody has uh, has shared, hey, listen, guys, I'm running a fever. I've, you know, had some issues come up here as of late. I've got some cold symptoms, whatever. I'm, I'm having some difficulty breathing. None of that. And so, you know, I'm not out posting any declarations or anything like that. And, you know, I'm not rushing to the ER. Uh, but I wanted to share that with you guys because I think it's important. Because I think there's a lot of people out there, again, that, uh, you know, would have you believe this thing is almost like getting bit by a zombie in The Walking Dead. You know, that um, you get bit and you're done. And uh, so this is a situation, again, where we've shared air with somebody that's been tested positive for the virus. And it is very unnerving. When you first hear that, you begin to take an inventory. And you begin to think, okay, have I been sick? I mean, I don't think I've been sick. You know, then you begin to kind of trace back and you realize, okay, it's been a couple of weeks now. And so according to the CDC, you know, if, if we were infected, then perhaps that we would uh, have shown some symptoms. It's nothing that I take lightly. I can assure you. I've got I've got people that depend on me. I have four children. And so if it was just me, I would live life a lot more footloose and fancy free. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I, I'm a guy that doesn't even like flying because I feel like I need to be here to provide for my kids. You know, and that sounds a little bit silly, but I'll, I'll, I'll drive anywhere, but I'm not flying to Jackson. Um, so... A lot of that changed when I had children. And so that's the bigger thing to me. You know, I, I I have had a great run and a great ride. And so if this was the end for me, then I would be, you know what? You know, it didn't, it ended a lot sooner than I wanted it to, but, uh, but I did some good things with my life. But I began to think about my own children. And I think, you know, I want to be here when their life gets difficult. You know, I lost my, my dad died at 57. And so that's one of the things that uh, has always kind of been in my mind. I said, you know, I, I, I don't want to die young and leave my kids to have to fend for the world. And I'm not saying that to be critical of my dad. That's just the reality of the situation, the life that I've led. And so it's always been something that I said, listen, when, when my dad got sick and died of cancer, I said, you know what, I'm going to take better care of myself. I quit smoking. Yeah, I hadn't drank in forever in a day. But I made some decisions to get healthier, made some decisions to eat better, made some decisions to exercise more because I want to be here. When my children's life gets difficult, when life begins to chew them up and spit them out, I want their dad to be here to help them pick up the pieces and to help them figure life out. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time belaboring the point here, but I just wanted you guys to be aware kind of what's going on, you know, and, and kind of what's happened around us. Because at some point, every one of us is going to know someone or have someone closely affiliated with us that is going to be tested positive for this virus. You know, the numbers suggest that most will recover, but there's some won't. And so, again, I think the way, again, listen to the experts, you know, they suggest the best thing for us to do is to, is to steer clear of each other for a while. And, and especially when we're sick, stay home. And so, fortunately, I get to work from home. And uh, most days, it's just me and the kid around here. And, uh, you know, that, that school has been, uh, you know, canceled for a while. You were, we're working on assignments from home like many of you. And uh, it's, it hadn't been difficult. They haven't overloaded us, but it's one of those things. It's, it's a daily thing. I've got to kind of keep up with it. And today they had an online class, and a lot of people didn't mute their uh, you know, their devices. And so that's well, part of the deal. But we're dealing. you know, We're dealing with life on life's terms right now. And sometimes that's not always fair. But again, we hope our friend and colleague continues to improve, continues to get good news. And uh, listen, I, I've read about all the clinical trials and the stuff, stuff like that, and all that's very encouraging. And I am a firm believer that we are going to make it. I am a firm believer we're going to get on the other end of this. We'll have a sense of normalcy. But I don't want to, and I wrote this last night on, on Facebook, I, I don't want to miss the lesson in all of this, if you understand what I'm saying. I mean, I, and 
I've done so much work here in the last few days because I like, you know, I don't want to look back on this and think, you know what, I missed a golden opportunity to get way ahead on the next book, or I missed a golden opportunity to speak to this person because everybody's kind of in place right now. You know, a lot of people are sheltering in place, so people aren't quite as mobile and not, not quite as busy, and so you've got a little more time to get together on the phone. But I don't want to get to the other end of this and think, you know what, I, we had some solitude and I had a chance to kind of rest up and I didn't take advantage of that. You know, I, I'm a firm believer in, in rest and uh, and sleeping late and all that sort of stuff and, and keeping late hours and watching Netflix. I love all that kind of stuff. And and it's not all bad. And it's one of the things that I think about with all of this is, you know, I've been able to spend more time with my family. I've been able to communicate regularly in long stretches with my family. And I've been able to kind of reach out and uh, and not be quite as hurried. And so I, I think there is some value in all of that. I think there is some value in the fact that we're getting a chance to kind of put life on pause a little bit and kind of look back and say, you know what, I've been able to kind of re-engage with some people that I love, and I don't want to waste any of that time worrying. I would rather invest that time telling my children and the people around me how much I love them. Uh, those things are important to me. And so I know that you feel the same way. And so, again, you know, my hope is is that we can – the value in all of this is that we get more of an opportunity to do some of the things, to like sleep late, right? To eat a little bit better, right? I know some people say, oh, I'm sitting around snacking all the time, Steve, I'm getting fat. You know, we'll get out and run around the house a little bit. You know, there are some things we can do. But I think having the opportunity to kind of put the, you know, the grind of life on hold a little bit and be able to kind of reconnect with the people that we live our lives for, I think that is something that, uh, We'll never lose. I think that's an important part of this. It reminds me of 9-11. I know many of you that listen to the show are a little bit younger. But I remember the patriotism we had after 9-11. You couldn't ride down the interstate without every other car having an American flag flying out the window. The bumper stickers were everywhere. Everybody wore their USA shirts. I mean, you know, I remember all that like it was yesterday. And I remember thinking then, I don't want things to ever go back to how they used to be. I don't want that to happen. I want us to continue to help each other and love each other, not have all these differences, and let's all be united under one flag. Well, that's, you look at all you got to do is go log on to Facebook right now, and, and everybody is trying to find some way to assign blame. And so we've lost all that. We've lost, as a people, we've lost that. And, and as an individual at times, I have lost that. And so I think we're getting another opportunity to be reminded of that. You know, that we, we all deal with the same issues on the same planet. And so let's not miss the lesson this time. I want to remind you guys, too, I have made the switch to Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. I recently dropped my play scent on the ceramic tile in the bathroom, and it broke. And I am absolutely heartbroken. Got to order some more. So I'm going to go log on to Hawthorne.co, and I'm going to order some more. I'm going to continue to wear the work scent, but I did like the play scent a little bit better. I love them both, but I like to play a little bit better. You need to go find out yourself because there is no guide out there to explain to you how to buy cologne, how to wear cologne. None of that's, nobody ever tells you that. You just kind of got to figure it out yourself. And people are too proud to ask questions. Well, you don't have to ask questions. The questions are already there for you. Go take the quiz at hawthorne.co. Again, that's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Take the quiz. They will pair you up with your preferences and suggest products that will fit you better than anybody else. I love, absolutely love the Hawthorne products. The packaging is great. The shipment was great. Customer service is great. It's just been absolutely wonderful. And uh, I'm listen, I, at some point, they'll stop advertising with me. I'm going to continue to use the product because I believe in it. I like the way that it makes me feel and makes me smell. You do too. So visit Hawthorne.co. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, use promo code Boneyard and save 10% off your first order. Again, that's Hawthorne.co, promo code Boneyard. Save 10% off your first order. I've had a lot of responses to the top 10 list, and it makes me think I should have done this long ago. I have had multiple people tell me that the last week or so of Boneyard shows have been the best Boneyards ever, which seems weird to me because we're not covering games. Uh, but all that being said, I was happy, happy to do it, and I've had people that have suggested top 10 list, and uh, Coy Welburn says, hey, Steve, what about more of an alternative uh, list, you know, not you know, some bands, you know, the dinosaur juniors of the world. I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cycle back to that. And they did kind of chastise me for not mentioning Nine Inch Nails. I have Nine Inch Nails in a different category than those rock bands. Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor, modern-day composer, 
I see that band much differently than others. And so and to me, they'll be in a different category. We'll, we'll, we'll cycle back around uh, to that because that, that pretty hate machine album, I bought it on cassette. It was an absolute game changer for me. I can still pop that thing in and, and sing every song. Absolutely love that CD. Uh, love that entire album. Uh, Wish is another one that I absolutely love. So we'll get to that. Today's top 10 list is going to be a little different. Not going to be music related. Not going to be music related. We're going to do 80s TV shows. 80s, top 10 80s TV shows. Now, the number one hit show of the 80s was Headbangers Ball. Okay, let's just go ahead and accept that. That was the greatest show of all time. Headbangers Ball on MTV. It was better with Ricky Rackman than it was with Adam Curry. Adam was a bit of a poser. Ricky was legit. Ricky was one of us. He was from the scene. So I didn't include Headbangers Ball in my top 10, even though it is the undisputed number one show of all time. It began in the 80s, lasted into the 90s. It was the greatest show of all time. Ricky has his own podcast out right now, too. You can listen to that. Every once in a while, he'll talk about Tales from the Hollywood Strip. Go check it out. So uh, so let's get into the top 10 list right now. I'm going to give a couple honorable mentions right out of the gate. Now, some of these, you know, some of the shows that uh, that ran into the early 80s kind of began in the mid to late 70s. And so many of them, I'm going to save for another day, we'll do 70s TV shows, you know. But there are some of these that were so iconic that their most of their heyday was in the 80s, and so I included them. So your list might differ. Your list would be wrong, but your list might be different to mine. So right out of the gate, I'm going to give um, an honorable mention to three. Fame was a great show. Great, great show. I even had a couple of my kids attend the Performing Arts High School or school when they were in Baton Rouge. Miss all that. They had a great experience here, though. Knight Rider, that was a great show. It nearly made the top ten. I thought long and hard about Knight Rider. That's, that's the Hoff. David Hasselhoff and his pre-Baywatch. And then Baywatch is a 90s show. Baywatch might be the number two show of all time. Might be. It introduced us uh, full-time to Pamela Anderson. Moment of silence. Full House. We all loved Uncle Jesse. We all wish we had an Uncle Jesse. I just couldn't pull the trigger on having them in the top ten. They're right there on the cusp, though. Like that show a lot. Watch the replays for years on TBS. I'm going to skew a little bit earlier. Okay? Because, you know, shows like Seinfeld actually began in the late 80s and went through the 90s, but I consider Seinfeld a 90s show. So number 10 on my list is The Fall Guy. The Fall Guy was a great show. Our first introduction to Heather Thomas had her poster on my wall. It was a great show. You can find, I think, I don't know if it's on Netflix, but you can find those episodes out there. The Fall Guy was wonderful. Number nine on my list, and I nearly went higher. I, I, I could make an argument this is one of the best shows of all time. It's one of the first real Fox shows that's married with children. Al Bundy, Kelly Bundy, Peggy Bundy, Bud, the whole group. It was great. You never knew. Al was the main character, but you just never knew where the thing was going to go. Sometimes I was the hero. Sometimes he was the villain. It was great writing. It was irreverent for its time. A lot of people didn't like the show because it was a little bit controversial. I loved the show. I was able to watch it in its infancy when when when, the, when Fox first became a network before it was, you know, it was basically an additional cable channel. And then eventually it became something great. Look what it is today. Married with Kids and The Simpsons are really what kind of carried Fox. Into, uh, into the reality. I started not to do number eight. I actually dropped it down the list a little bit. I love the show. I don't like what's happened in recent years, and that's the Cosby Show. The Cosby Show was wonderful. Um, you know, Cliff and, and Claire Hoxtable, they were, they, were, they were America's parents for years. And uh, it's, it is absolutely horrendous what's happened with Bill Cosby and the life the, the you know well, the decisions that he made in his life and he deserves to be held accountable but I loved that show there were a lot of values taught by that show and it was a time in our nation's history where we were 
we were battling through a lot of single parent families and there were a lot of things that were happening in life. And uh, there was really kind of a de de deconstruction of the American family in many respects. And everybody tuned into the Cosby show because you never knew what Denise and Theo and, and uh, Rudy were going to get into. You just, you never knew. And so I uh, enjoyed the show. Hate what's happened afterwards. Uh, number seven on the list was the A-Team. And at one time, this was my favorite show of all time. It was, you felt like this covert group, this, they were just so wonderful. B.A. Baracus and, and Hannibal and, and Face, Murdoch. But they were always helping people. These were people that had done something wrong, right? They were, you know, kind of, uh, you know, mavericks of sorts. But they uh, they did things to help other people. You know, when, when you needed them, the A-Team was there for you. And number six, love this one. And this is one of those things, too. I think this is an important show in a lot of respects. Because uh, there was a real racial component to this that I thought really, I think it, it, there were, it introduced two different groups of people living harmoniously together. And an important time in our lives, that's different strokes. And... Um, Again, the kids of different strokes had had some difficulties as adults, but I think this is an important show. I loved it. I thought Mr. Drummond uh, was uh, again kind of America's dad, and uh, you know the way that he loved, you know, um, you know Todd Bridges and and uh, Gary Coleman as his own children on that show. I think it was re remarkable, and I think it made everybody kind of see each other in a different lens. And I think those are the important shows. The, the ones that teach lessons, not the ones that are necessarily agenda-driven, but I think it just kind of harmonic, organically happens, and that was one of them. Number five, Facts of Life. I love the Facts of Life show, kind of a spinoff of Different Strokes. Mrs. Garrett, you know, was the housekeeper on Different Strokes, and she leaves the Drummond household and, our, and goes off and becomes, you know, the the uh, dietitian and eventually kind of the lead dog there at the, uh, at the, at the boarding school. And I uh, had a chance to hear uh, Blair... Lisa Welch will speak uh, several years ago uh, at our church, and uh, wonderful person. But uh, again, some life lessons learned. That was the thing. We learned our morality in the 80s from TV. I mean, it's one of those things, you, you went to church a lot, uh, but you also had a lot of these shows that, that uh, kind of taught some difficult lessons and things that maybe we were uncomfortable talking about in Sunday school. We were able to kind of deal with, with some of these shows. Number four, another family show, Family Ties. Absolutely love the show. Two former hippies uh, find themselves as a family of five most of the time. It's a wonderful show. Again, a lot of life lessons. Alex Keaton, uh, he was the prep. That was the thing, too, I don't think kids today really appreciate. There was a, there was a huge prepping movement in the 80s, and uh, Michael J. Fox, who played Alex P. Keaton, uh, was kind of the, the prep of the nation. You know, he was the guy you looked at. He was a little bit different. He had some friends who were a little bit silly. But again, a lot of life lessons. If, if you could find those shows, I would encourage you to watch them. I think they were great. I think uh, Michael Keaton, her name was Elise, I guess. Yeah, they, they were great. Number three, Cheers. What do you, what do you expect from a former drunk Cheers? I, I love Cheers. Uh, matter of fact, I'm re-watching it right now. It's on Netflix. The writing on that is so funny. Even now, it holds up when you go back and watch that stuff. And the timing, the comedic timing of that show was just so brilliant. Uh, I was I was really sad when Cheers went off the air because I really thought it, it really found another level late. You know, there are a lot of, of uh, TV series that kind of lose their luster after a few seasons. I thought Cheers just continued to get stronger. So go check out Cheers, the number two show. The Duke boys, Dukes of Hazard, could have gone number one here. It was one of those things they used to, to advertise that show when they first began teasing the show. I think every young guy in the in the in the country thought, you know what, I want to go to Hazard County, Georgia. I want to drive a General Lee, you know. I, I want to go jump cars and run from the cops and and uh, date pretty girls. Some of us got to do that. Maybe we can uh, blame Bo and Luke Duke, but Uncle Jesse. You know, and again, Uncle Jesse always the voice of reason, despite the fact that he was a moonshiner in the in the in the hills of Georgia. Great show, fun show, uh, but one of those things too. Probably not a guide for living. You know, probably not the 
the morality show. But the, what the thing that I remember too about that, it was kind of similar to Andy Griffith in the respect that the, the outlaws, the true outlaws, not Bo and Luke, they were always running from Roscoe P. Coltrane. But the true outlaws were always outsiders. They were always people that were coming in from some faraway place, kind of like it was, you know, in Mayberry. It was always somebody from Mount Pilot looking for trouble. And uh, but it was always a sense of community. And if we all come together and put our differences aside, we can deal with this other issue. But the number one eighty show, without question, I don't know how anybody could ever disagree. It's Miami Vice. Miami Vice, the absolute coolest. Every and that's when we were in middle school. Everybody had those Don Johnson jackets. Everybody had the Miami Vice jacket. They they just did. It was it was a fashion craze like I'd never seen. And we were real susceptible to fashion in the 80s, but that was a big one. The Miami Vice jacket. People begin to let the you know have a one or two day old stubble. Then then some of the the, the manufacturers of razors began making razors that would allow you to keep that Don Johnson five o'clock shadow. Great show, great adventure, and um, you know, Sonny Crockett with former Florida Gator. You know, how could you do better than that? Love Miami Vice. I have watched that in its entirety probably a half dozen times. You should too. Great, great, great show. A lot of the stuff that you, we put in the 80s uh, probably couldn't air today. You know, people are a little more sensitive today when it comes to that sort of stuff. There's some, some, of, the, some of the characters in some of these shows were a little bit, you know, a little bit irreverent. So I don't know if we could get away with that today. I don't know if you could if you could redo The Office today, the way people have become so sensitive. But those are my top ten. Your top ten would be different. It would be wrong. But uh, feel free to tweet me or message me, and, and some of you do that without my permission anyway. But go ahead. You have my full permission. Go ahead and let me know what's up and uh, what you disagree. And, Steve, how in the world could you miss this show or that show? Uh, I might have missed one. I'm an imperfect person. But uh, these are the shows that I loved. I want to remind you to our good friends at Campus Bookmart. They will have the latest, greatest maroon and white fashions for you. You go visit them at campusbookmart.net, and you surf through there, and you find some things you want. Listen, we're not going to be hunkered down forever. And, you know, a new shirt just might be the thing you need to turn to turn your mood anyway. So go check it out today. Look at them. Spend a little money with them. We'll give you a little incentive to, to do so. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Let me remind you. You got some special bulldogs in your life that would love to have some new maroon and white threads. They'd love to have some maroon and white memorabilia. Go check out the vast collection of Mississippi State-related items at campusbookmart.net. Again, promo code BSR. So let's get into a couple other things. We're going to take, uh, I don't know how long we go, but we'll go to, we'll go to we're done. How about that? I, I had a couple people that reached out to me and said, hey, Steve, you keep talking about this 2009 recruiting class. And uh, in such high praise, and it's I don't know that I agree, and I, I think the only reason that people couldn't agree is they don't know who all was in that class. So I'm gonna take a little, a little we're gonna have a little reminder here about who was in that 2009 class. And so much of that class was already in place when Dan Mullen got here. However, and I, and I think it's important, you know, Dan Mullen and his staff, and there wasn't a lot of staff then. It was just kind of Dan and Hevesy and a few other guys to kind of get rolling held this thing together when it could have gone south. So this is kind of a shared class. And again, for the most part, it was already in place. Dan Mullen comes in, closes out Chad Bumpus, who was already going to come to Mississippi State. Uh, that, that, that was just a matter of time. Denias Tim, same situation. And Ladarius Perkins, those are some of the ones that, that Dan added. But the bigger, the bigger challenge was kind of keeping those guys engaged. I remember getting a text message from former Tupelo quarterback Chris Garrett the day that we announced Dan Mullen. And, of course, Chris had committed to Mississippi State and flipped to LSU. And uh, Dan is hired, and Chris texts me, and he goes, hey, I'm kind of rethinking my decision. Dan Mullen has me intrigued. I didn't think that Chris fit the Mullen offense because of the running component. I didn't think that was really more of his strong suit. But, you know, that was Chris was a part of this class initially and kind of helped put some things together. It didn't work out as well as we'd hoped. But uh, I, I still submit to you, Chris Garrett, the Bulldog through and through. All right, so the top-rated player in the class was Chad Bumpus, who went on 
to set all kinds of passing records at Mississippi State. Some of those have been beaten by Fred Ross. But Chad Bumpus played it as a true freshman. If you remember, the very first play of the Dan Mullen era is we run an end-around pass where we hand it to Chad Bumpus and he throws it downfield to O'Neill Wilder. We, and the, the pass was incomplete, but the fans cheered because they're like, you know what, we're, we're so tired of that uh, Woody McCorvey, Sylvester Croom, uh, Gulf Coast offense that just didn't work out. And all of a sudden, Dan Mullen let us know right out of the gate, we're not going to be conservative. And I thought that was an interesting play to really kind of set the tone for the Dan Mullen era. But that's the first play. So Chad Bumpus's first scrimmage, first play from scrimmage is a, is a college player. He's throwing the football down the field. What if that ball had gotten picked? You know, uh, the the next guy, the, the number two rated player in that class, Fletcher Cox. We talked about him in last week. That guy's made seventy-three million dollars as a professional football player. Fletch never really wavered. There were a few people that kind of got after him a little bit. One of the reasons that he hung in there is because he and Josh Boyd were such good, good friends. Fletch are a perennial all-pro player in the National Football League. Played as a true freshman. The number three rated player in the class, Pernell McPhee, talked about him last week too. All the money that he's made in the National Football League. And we knew coming out when he came out of Etiwamba that he was an absolute star. And when you know, people panicked a little bit, because late in the process, he took an official visit to Georgia, and, and people were worried. But David Turner did a great job remaining in contact with Purnell. I remember calling down there and speaking to, to Purnell's brother down in Pahokee, Florida, when he was home for, for, uh, for Christmas break, and people were worried that uh, he might sign with Georgia. And his brother was like, oh, no, he's going to Mississippi State. He's going to Mississippi State. And he did, and he came in here, and he became one of the leaders on this team. You remember him doing the pregame? They, they would jump, and his dreads would be flying everywhere. But Pernell McPhee is a guy that put on put on for Mississippi State. And just so you guys know, because many of you have no clue, the very first in-home visit that Dan Mullen made as Mississippi State's football coach was to Pernell McPhee. That's how important he was, because we knew Pernell McPhee was a difference maker from day one. The very first in-home visit Dan Mullen makes to Pernell McPhee. The fourth-rated player in the class was a U.S. Army All-American, Josh Boyd. Actually played some in the National Football League as well. And Josh is a guy that kind of helped keep this class together. Josh is a guy. Josh and Fletcher were so close. They weren't just committed to Mississippi State. They were committed to each other. And uh, I think Josh does not get perhaps the, uh, the acclaim that some of his classmates did. But that guy was big for us, especially his senior year. You know, Fletcher went early. You know, Purnell graduated, obviously, after two years. Boyd stayed the whole way and had his best year as a senior. Thought he became more of a leader for us. The next guy in the class is a guy that was an absolute bust for us. Former Under Armour All-American, Montreux Connor, four-star running back. And uh, just I remember watching him in Under Armour practices, and, and the guy ran the ball well, but he didn't do a lot of other things well. That's the thing that kind of got caught up with him. He wasn't a great receiver, didn't play well without the football. And, um, again, a guy that had a ton of offers, we get him committed, and then Mullen hangs on to him. And I think perhaps he would have been a better fit for the Anthony Dixon, Sylvester Croom, I-back type set. I think he fit that offense a lot better than he did. I think he was just a little bit too stiff to do the things Dan Mullen needed him to do, and he eventually left the program. Tyler Russell is the next highest-rated guy. And again, these are all four-star guys. Well, I mean, I'm rallying off guys, and every one of these guys is a four-star. Tyler Russell, uh, his shining moment in high school, yes, they won the state championship, but it wasn't just the fact that they won the state championship as they beat South Panola and ended their streak. And at that point, South Panola was just dominating high school football. They, they, there was a mystique about South Panola. And listen, there were some people out there, and it's only human nature. There were some officials, I think, at times were scared to make calls against South Panola because of the streak. I think the weight of the streak impacted everybody. It intimidated your opponents. I think it, it's intimidated officials at some times because you go in a ball game and you think, okay, South Panola is supposed to win this game, barring something unforeseen. And I thought Tyler Russell and the Meridian Wildcats, not only did they beat South Panola, they beat the Mystique and they beat the officials, because that last field goal attempt that would have won the game in regulation, I think was good. I mean, you look at the TV views and people called it some South Panola magic. 
No, it just wasn't. It wasn't right down the middle. It was right there at the upright. And I think the official there. I think he choked. And uh, he may be a great guy, but I think he blew that call. And ultimately, it ended up the way that it should have, with uh, Meridian winning the game in overtime. And I was there. And uh, I've had people ask me, "What's the best high school football game you've ever attended?" That's number one. That is absolutely number one. Not just because of the fact that it was such a competitive game between two great teams that produced multiple college players but also because of the fact that where it was, what was at stake in the streak. I mean, it was a national-level story. And I remember texting Scott Kennedy right after the game. I said, South Panola just went down. And he said, who got him? I said, Meridian and Tyler Russell. He said, I told you that kid was great. And at that point, we had Tyler Russell rated probably in the teens. He went to the top ten after that. Ended up com composite. Rated the number 13 quarterback in the country. And Tyler Russell had some big years at Mississippi State. He he was not a great fit for the Denmo on offense because of the running component. But Tyler Russell was a great quarterback in Mississippi State. I love Tyler. Love his family. Uh, Craig, Marcy, Kyle, the whole group, man. The aunts, the uncles, everybody had a great opportunity to get to know them uh, you know, during their time here at Mississippi State. And think so much of Tyler and his contributions. And his senior year did not go the way we had hoped. He was injured against Oklahoma State. And never really fully recovered. And, you know, that's when Dak kind of became the man. And then Dak gets injured and then Tyler comes back and does what a senior is supposed to do. And we, let me tell you something, guys. <clears throat> we don't go bowling that year without Tyler Russell. The win at Arkansas, we had never won a football game in the state of Arkansas. And Tyler Russell, hurt, broken down, goes over there, leads Mississippi State to a win in a Little Rock to keep the thing alive. He and Nico Whitley. Go down there and make some big plays. Ladarius Perkins. And they win that ball game. And then we come back here with uh, with Damian Williams and win the egg ball. And Dak, of course. Chris Smith, God rest his soul. The final four-star in the class. Chris Smith, one of the best high school route runners I've ever seen. Also, one of the most competitive people I've ever seen. There wasn't a pass out there that Chris didn't think he could catch. And there wasn't a DB out there that he couldn't out trash talk. And uh, things didn't work out well for Chris after football. And I absolutely hate that. I remember the last time that I saw him, he was so happy to see me. Because I think it reminded him of a simpler, a simpler time. And uh, Chris had some good years at Mississippi State. He was always that guy in the red zone. You could trust him to find a way to get open. It didn't matter if that was a little inside slant or whatever. He was so physical. There wasn't a corner out there that was going to be able to compete with him with the game on the line. He was a big-time player. Didn't have great foot speed. But, man, what a great route runner. The next guy on the list is a guy that many people worried about because South Florida got into the mix late, and he's also kind of an unforgotten, an unheralded guy in his class. Linebacker Chris White, former product of Van Cleve, Mississippi, went to Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, won the, um, you know, won, what's the, uh, won the Connolly Trophy that year. Connolly Trophy winner, and I remember how great he played for us and how fast he was as a linebacker. Ends up playing in the NFL for a couple of years. He was on campus last year. Another guy was an immediate impact guy right out of the gate. Pernell McPhee got all the headlines, but Chris White made a lot of the plays, at least that first year. Denias Timms is a guy. Things didn't work out here, but, man, I, I loved him. He was a great player, great attitude. I, I can see it now. We go out there to do kick coverage, and he goes out there flying on the field. He takes the field you know, with his wings out there to decide because he was ready to go contribute. I really thought he had NFL potential. Things didn't work out here. But I uh, think a lot of the nice Tims and Slick and the whole family over there and all those folks from, from Louisville. The next guy on the list, Rico Sanders. Uh, I remember, you know, when we signed him, you know, a lot of people, and, and, may, and maybe, they, maybe they know more than me, I don't know. The thing that bothered me about Rico is that everything in his highlight video was a slip screen. You know what I mean? Where they get the ball to him in space and he just makes people miss. He really couldn't run away from people. He didn't have great route running ability. I think his only touchdown at Mississippi State was in the Gator Bowl. I think that's right. But uh, Rico didn't do much. A lot of people were saying, hey, we're going to have two Chad Bumpuses. He, he was not that same player. Great young man. It was a guy that uh, was kind of signed as a complimentary player. He was overhyped by some within our fan base. This suggests I think some services had him as a four-star. He didn't have a lot of options late in the process because people worried about him qualifying. He proved to be a late qualifier. Just didn't have that same level of potential. You know, another guy that came in and was productive, we got value out of this guy, Brandon Heavens. Uh, 
was hurt a lot early in his career, but that's another guy that initially out of Jessel near high school. That 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 program eventually gave you Nick Bell and uh, Darrell Williams. But Brandon comes in and, and was a good complimentary guy. He was a role player for us, but uh, got a little bit smaller. And that's when we were trying to go in for that quick twitch slot receiver type guy. That's why we went out and signed a whole bunch of them. Cam Lawrence. That was a big early recruiting win for Mississippi State. Addison Lawrence, of course, already here. And some uh, recruiting analysts slash homers suggested that uh, that Carl Lawrence, the, the, the dad, wanted uh, Cam to go to Ole Miss. That, that was nothing could have been further from the truth. Cam made his own decision. Cam came to Mississippi State, was a fan favorite, played in the NFL for a little while, had a cup of coffee up there with the Dallas Cowboys, did a good job for them. He and his brother Addison are kind of working with the M Club now to kind of get this next generation of Bulldogs involved with the M Club, and we encourage them to do that. The next guy on the list, and, this, and again, this is kind of shows the depth in this class, John Banks. Jonathan Banks, future Jim Thorpe Award winner, future NFL player, really just kind of in the middle of the pack of your class. I think we beat Holmes Community College for him, honestly. He was just another one of those country kids from up the road that was great at everything. Great basketball player, great baseball player. He, he played for a state championship in all three sports in high school. That's how great he was. Didn't win it all the time. But he played for a state championship in three different sports. And he was a straw that stirred to drink. Maurice Langston was the next guy on the list. This is a guy, too, I, I had a chance to see him in person. They didn't have any huddle video. I went out and saw him play. Uh, I believe it was against Jones, and uh, they were incredible. Might have been PRC. I don't remember, but at East Central and Maurice Langston was incredible. I remember watching that video back after I recorded it. He did everything, and East Central won the ball game in a big upset. He came in here, moved to corner, took a little while for him to get acclimated. You know, he had some off-the-field issues. But he was the guy that I think we got our scholarship money out of. Well, Darius Perkins, if you remember, Kroon, was re Kroon really wanted Tracy Lampley as that change of pace back. And uh, just for some reason could not get that kid to commit. Probably some Wayne County politics behind all that. He ends up going to Southern Miss, and we signed Ladarius Perkins. As soon as Dan Mullen got here, that's who they targeted. They went right after Perk. They got him. Uh, he jumps in the boat. That's the thing. It was at a dinner, Bumpus, Perk. Tim's all committed at the same time. That was a three-commitment night, big official visit weekend for sure. We ended up adding Madrikas Hood late. It's a sign-in-place guy, and this things never went anywhere with him. One of those guys over there from Pickens County High School across the border. Guy that had a good high school career, just you know, just never really amounted to much. I don't know that he even played long on the junior college level. I don't know if he completed a season. Longtime Mississippi State fan Sam Watts out of Conyers, George, in Salem High School. One of the first commitments in the class, one of the first offers in the class. Got here, just, it had some health issues, never really got on track. Sam is true maroon. Still see him and his lovely wife on campus from time to time. He's got a, got some kids now. But Sam's a great Mississippi State guy. Just, did, just didn't work out. Just didn't work out. Uh, William Shumpert out of Itawamba AHS came in and uh, came in as a fullback. It's one of those things, too, that uh, – Committed to the Kroom offense, so we didn't have a fullback, you know, in the uh, Denmark offense, but he gave it a go for a while. Good guy for sure. Uh, Deontay Skinner also spent some time in the National Football League. I remember some people, again, these recruiting analysts, that uh, made some big to-do about him double signing on signing day with East Mississippi, but they, they neglected to uh, report that uh, the same thing happened to Pat Patterson. Both of them signed with their respective schools, State and Ole Miss and East Mississippi Community College, just in case things didn't work out. And because of the fact there were a lot of guys out there that were kind of marginal academically that did that to protect themselves because of the fact that you didn't have – it wasn't like it is today, but you had to have a fallback plan. You had to somewhere to go. And so that's what they did. Skinner makes it with ease, comes in, has a really good career at Mississippi State, and then spends some time in the National Football League, another NFL guy in this group. And you're thinking, well, Steve, can it go on? It does. Nico Whitley, one of my favorite Bulldogs in the last 20 years, a guy that showed no care for his own well-being, made one of the most athletic interceptions I've ever seen at Davis Wade Stadium when he goes over the top and picks off Cam Newton. We don't go bowling, folks, without Nico Whitley. You guys know what I'm talking about. 
2013 year. Nico pulls it out against Arkansas, strips Alex Collins as they're going to put the game away to force the game into overtime. Strips Bo Wallace in one of the greatest fumbles in the history of the, of the rivalry. Nico is, uh, has a, his own chapter in Stark Villains. You should read it if you haven't. And he talks about how he played the entire year with the partial torn ACL. That guy's a warrior. Love that guy. Leon Berry. And sadly, our Leon Berry memory is a drop pass against Auburn that we would have likely at least tied the ball game. And uh, I remember talking to Coach Mark Hutzman afterwards. And uh, Leon Berry got hurt against Houston and, and uh, never returned. But Mark Hutzman told me that having Leon Berry cry on his shoulder at the end of that Auburn game because he was so he was beside himself with grief. We had a chance to knock off Auburn. Would have, would have cost him a national championship. Leon had the ball in his hand safely within uh, field goal range, might have even scored there, and he dropped the football. Mark Hutchman said that was one of the most difficult moments in his coaching career is trying to console Leon after a game and tell him it's going to be okay. Leon Berry's a great young man, and I often wonder what's happened to him. Maybe we'll dig him up one day and uh, and interview him, and just not even about that, but just you know, let people know what, what what happened with him because if he never returned football, and he was a very talented player out of Georgia, came and did a good job for us, and uh, just kind of had a, you know, just didn't have the career he should have had because of injury. Well, Steve, surely you're getting to the end. Well, you would think so, but you're wrong. Gabe Jackson. Gabe Jackson in this class. Gabe Jackson, one time one of the highest paid guards in the National Football League, so out there playing. Bowing back from an injury right now. Another NFL guy in this class. Early on had the LSU offer, an Auburn offer, an Ole Miss offer, and everybody thought, well, surely he'll go out of state. He was a Mississippi State guy. No doubt about it. Gabe's still, still around. Still comes and checks us out. Had a couple of junior college kickers in his class. Heath Hutchins, who is now an international model. It's insane. A guy from Saltilla, Mississippi. All over the world. Uh, modeling for some of the biggest names in the industry. Just an absolute supermodel. Go check it out. If you, you think I'm kidding, go look it up. Heath Hutchins. It, it, it's incredible the places that he goes. Sean Broccoli is a guy that came and did a great job for Mississippi State out of Gulf Coast Community College. We really thought that that might be a, a problem for us. When, you know, Dan Mullen struggled at times to have kickers, but Sean Broccoli, one of the best ones we ever had. Another guy that didn't make it, I say didn't make it, because he got drafted and made uh, Major League Baseball millions, Billy Hamilton. One of the last additions to this class. The very first play of the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game, Tyler Russell dropped back to pass, and we, we tried to throw the fade to Billy Hamilton. We just couldn't complete the pass, but it was a great, great situation there. Billy Hamilton is one of those kind of guys, a three-sport athlete, the best guy in every venue, at every sport, every time. Guy was a Mississippi State Bulldog, chose Mississippi State. Another guy that, you, that perhaps that you may have forgotten about, Darius Slay was in this class. Signed him out of Brunswick, Georgia. He was a sign-and-place guy, went on and played in junior college for a couple of years and came back. But, again, you begin to look at the numbers on these guys, and you think, well, Steve, how could this be? How in the world did we have all of these guys in this class? And that's the thing you begin to think about Dan Mullen having a springboard to success is you had a bunch of NFL guys in these classes. Uh, Jonathan McKenzie uh, didn't stick with it, elected to quit. Uh, but, you know, John was a – John, the son of Duncan McKenzie, John was a very, very talented athlete. They used to call him Drago because he was just so unemotional in practice. I mean, just again, they would just absolutely crush you and then uh, just kind of get up and look at you. Very, very cerebral guy. I think he had NFL potential if he had stuck with He had incredible size. And then, uh, you know, but that's your signing class. And so when you begin to think about the number of professional athletes that were in this class – I don't know how you could argue. And Chad Bumpus was the last guy cut from the Miami Dolphins. Actually led them in receptions during uh, preseason football. But you run the list down here. Fletcher Cox, Pernell McPhee, Josh Boyd, Chris White, Cameron Lawrence, Jonathan Banks, Deontay Skinner, Gabe Jackson, Billy Hamilton, Darius Slay. A ton of professional athletes in this class, and that is the gold standard by which every other recruiting class in Mississippi State history has to be judged. 
And so you, we talk about Dan Mullen being a developmental coach. You had some great talent to work with, but he made the most of their talents and kind of moved them into uh, a position where they could make money playing a kid's game. It's incredible. It really is. So uh, I'm going to get out of here, but a couple of things I want to say before we go. I, I've, I've, I'm, I'm about 75% of the way through with interviews for the sequel to Starkville ones. I'm making use of this time that we, uh, we have uh, some shelter in place. Did five interviews yesterday. Yeah, that's right, five. Spent the whole day on the phone. Had a chance to talk to uh, your friend Timmy Bowers, who was playing his 16th year of professional basketball overseas, still playing, still loves Mississippi State, says Derek Zimmerman is his best friend in the world. They stay in contact regularly. He is very, 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 very in tune with what's going on in Mississippi State basketball. Also wanted you guys to know that the, uh, the play at Alabama was not a lane violation that the Alabama people have cried about all these years. I got his explanation. And he says that uh, he had already signaled to the official that he was heading into the lane, and the official was nodding him in as he threw the ball to Shelton. And then that's why he immediately asked for the ball back, because he had granted permission for Bowers to enter the lane. That's why it wasn't a lane violation. You know, because the Bowers comes in, they give the ball back to the official, because there was some communication between the official and Timmy Bowers, which is why he was able to take position in the lane. And as, as Timmy says, that happens regularly in basketball. It's just more magnified this time because of the fact that Shelton got rattled and missed a free throw. And so a lot of Bama fans out there over the years have been a little butthurt over it and said, oh, well, that should have been a lane violation. It wasn't a lane violation. And I thought that was a great explanation. I've always wondered about that. So I asked Timmy about that. So he was very gracious. He's also a guy that loves Mississippi State. Always has, always will. Spent some time talking to Desenzo Miller. He was a fan favorite for a long time. I remember how he absolutely shredded Florida. We spoke at length about the 2001 Egg Bowl, one of the most bitter seasons in Mississippi State history. Everybody thought we had a chance to have a big year that year. We were preseason top 15 in just about every poll. It was we were, The picks between LSU and Mississippi State to win the SEC West. We had LSU at home that year. We went 3-8, and eight, I guess 3-9. and But one of the three is we beat Eli and Ole Miss and kept him out of a bowl game. So he talked at length about that, but since there's no one of those guys, too, he said he comes back to school and he's got the big heavy beard and everything else, and people still see him and say, hey, man, that's DeCenzo Miller. And they still ask for pictures. They still ask for autographs. I think that says a lot about our family, that we still honor our heroes, even though it's been a few 24 hours since they toted the rock for us. One of the best interviews, perhaps, of my career, Rafael Palmero. Had a chance to interview him a couple times last year. This was different. This was, you know, this is a one-on-one -on -one interview talking about his experiences here. Didn't talk any pro baseball. Just talked about his experiences here at Mississippi State because he, Rafi is our guy. And it's one of those things where he said some things yesterday, and I shared this on Twitter. You know, we've always loved Rafael and Will and Thigpen and Brantley and Gator Thiessen. You can run all the way down there. We, we have such a reverence for the Diamond Dogs that have played here. We, we just do. We're a baseball school. We love football, but we're a baseball school at heart. And so I haven't a chance to talk to Rafi, and, and I just mentioned to him about coming back to Mississippi State. You know, what what did it mean you know, to come back? And, and you could tell, you know, he was he was a little emotional about the statues and that sort of stuff. And there, there is just some, uh, there's an undying sense of gratitude with Rafi when it comes to all of you. And he made the comment, you know, Mississippi State is my family. Those those are where my true fans are. They have never turned on me. And I thought that was big because you know what he's saying there. You know what he's talking about. And your loyalty has been well received by him. And so I went on and asked him a little bit about, you know, last year he comes and we, we, we dedicate the, the, the trophies. And, it, and it, it's like I never I, I never could get away from him. Saw him out at Fort Worth. He threw out the first pitch when, when State played in the Fort Worth uh, Classic out there. Uh, saw him at Texas A&M. He was back on campus, and uh, he went to Omaha last year to the College World Series for the first time since he was a player. And out before the uh, College World Series, he's out at the team hotel and shaking hands and taking pictures and opening doors for Mississippi State fans, and I asked him about that. I said, why was that important to you? And he goes, you know, for the first thing that I want to say is for guys like Jake Mangum, this is their moment. This is their Omaha moment. He goes, I didn't want to take anything away from that. He goes, but you know, he said, this was my time too. And what he meant by that, and he went on to explain, is that he gets something from this relationship too. 
it's not as simple as, hey, he's here to take pictures with us, and he's here to shake our hands and meet us. Uh, he wants to meet you, too. He wants to thank you for your support. And, and I got chills as he began to talk about that. And I thought, you know, this is this is what it's all about, especially in times like these. There's times like these, you remember who's in your corner. You remember who had your back. And so that, that book will be out later this year. And, of course, hopefully at the end of the printing manufacturers will all be uh, working again this summer. But uh, getting way ahead on this, and we're going to try to push it out. And we'll do our best to have it out for you, you know, at the beginning of the football season. And if you're looking for, for those books, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I, I'm going to be stacking up these Mississippi State books on you. I mean, I might write one a year, but I'm going to be stacking books up. And so you're going to get behind if you're not reading the books. You can go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com right now, and you can order Flim Flam. You can order Stark Villains. I don't know what we call the next book. We I don't know if we call it Stark Villains 2 or we come up with something else. But there's going to be a third book out later this year. I'm working on it now, working diligently on it now. And so you need to be apprised of that. Spoke with Latoya Thomas yesterday. Spoke with Tom Lilly, who was the first bully back in 1964. I mean, it's like I'm digging up royalty, guys, because I want their stories to be told and documented for future generations. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know how long all this is going to last. So I'm going to appreciate it while I can. And so I encourage you to do so, too. Again, go to Start Villains to Book. You can order those today, and you can even get signed copies. I mean, that, you know, I'll ride by and sign them, and um, and we'll get them out to you. But I know a lot of people are kind of getting a little cabin fever right now, so now it's time to get caught up on your reading. Go to startvillainsthebook.com, order Flim Flam and Stark Villains. And then when we get ready to put Villains 2 up for pre-sale this summer, that's where you'll be able to, to make your pre-order, and we'll get those right out to you. And if you're looking for your Stark Villains gear, go to starkvillains.com. Well, that's going to do it for today. We'll be back on Wednesday. I don't know that we'll have a Thursday show. Last week you had one just because I lost track of what day it was. But you never know. Sometimes I get bored. Uh, I've got a great story coming up later today where I, I interviewed a guy that played baseball. Baseball for Mike Leach as a kid. I'm going to write that up a little bit later today. So you can find that over on jeanspage.com. Come by. And uh, and, and if, you don't, if, you, if you're not a subscriber, like us on Facebook. You can see a ton, ton of free content over there. We, we cover Mississippi State like nobody else does. So we, we appreciate your support. We are true maroon, as true maroon can be. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.